You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. Welcome back to the latest entry in our Creature Features. This week we talk about Pumpkinhead, which came on October 14, 1988, the day before Kirk Gibson hit that dramatic home run to win Game 1 of the World Series for the Los Angeles Dodgers over the Oakland A's by a score of 5-4. to And I fucking hate baseball. Yeah. But I love horror movies. So on with the show. Get away from me and my family. Oh, please. You gotta help me, Joe. It's coming. I didn't kill that girl. I don't know nothing about that, and I don't want to. I'm sorry, I am. But I got a podcast I listen to. It's Halloween Horror Month on 80s Revisited, and you're interrupting my time when I like to listen to it with my family. So go away from my door. kill him sooner after that. Yeah. That's why I shut up for a second there. But welcome back, everybody, to the latest and greatest episode of 80s Revisited. As always, I'm your host, Trey Harris. With me, as always, the head to my pumpkin, or something, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And episode two of our Halloween Horror 2017 Creature Features, episode two with Pumpkinhead, released October 14th, 1988. I always love to see a horror movie that is actually released October, late September, it's just that's just right. Yeah. Unless of course it's related to Christmas or another holiday, right. which this isn't. But but anyway, IMDb gives it a six point two, which is pretty decent for a horror movie. Rotten Tomatoes sixty five and audience forty eight percent. So mm. critics actually like this one a little bit more than the audiences. Uh, Three point five million estimated budget opened at six hundred and eighty six thousand dollars. Mm. Did not even hit the top ten for the week that it opened. Uh, it should be noted, in all fairness, it opened originally in a limited release, and then it, was, it released again, or a wider release, I should say, a few months later, but neither one was anything of much significance, as it only went on to gross $4.3 million, uh, in total, barely making back its budget, which is odd as we get to the trivia later. There's a lot of sequels to this film. <laughs> so, strangely enough, couldn't mm. find any information on worldwide gross or rentals, but safe to say... Unless they were super high numbers, which could then justify a sequel, I can't tell you because I couldn't find anything out about it. It was directed, however, by the late, great Stan Winston, not known for his directing, but his visual, his uh, practical visual effects. Uh, of course, uh, Predator, Aliens, uh, this, obviously. Uh, he's one of the greats in terms of uh, visual effects. And he did also direct a few other, a couple of other things of notes, especially to me and other fans of the podcast I know. He was the director of the You Could Be Mine video for Guns N' Roses, which of course heavily featured Arnold. And that wasn't the, wouldn't be the first time he would end up directing Arnold. He'd also direct Arnold in Terminator 2 Battle Across Time, the Universal Ooh. Studios now defunct ride, which uh, I believe you can search it on YouTube and basically watch it. Oh, wow. The movie that it was. Because I mean, it was, at that time at least, according to James Cameron, it was canon. For the Terminator universe. With the T1 million! Spoiler alert. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this was actually Winston's first directorial debut, uh, directorial picture, of course, it make, that makes it his directorial debut. 
Uh, but like I said, he died a few, uh, I say a few years ago, but a while back, unfortunately. But uh, they still have, uh, you know, you, you will still see Stan Winston Studios uh, names, uh, they're that company's name on some things uh, still to this day because it's still a practical effects house. Uh, and star, uh, screenplay was by Mark Patrick Carducci and Gary Garani. And it starred Lance Henriksen, the great Lance Henriksen, veteran of the podcast, as Ed Harley. Of course, Aliens, Hard Target, Terminator, AVP. And I, if, I might have to double check me on this, Jesse, but I think he is actually the only actor who is truly killed by an alien, a predator, and a Terminator in his I career. I think we checked that before. I think we did. Because Bill Paxton wasn't confirmed in the original Terminator because you never see him die. Uh, but I do think we were, yeah, when we talk about Bill Paxton, we were talking a little retrospective on him. Uh, when he passed away, I think we talked about it. Uh, of course, oh, he died in Aliens, but he came back in Alien 3. Well, he was technically dead till she kind of brought him back with a battery and shit. So mm. he technically died. I'll give it to him in that. Uh, but great, fantastic actor. You can never, you never forget that voice, that, that Lance Henriksen voice. I actually watched him last night uh, in, uh, I was going to say Nightbreed, but it's wrong, uh, Near Dark. Speaking of Bill Paxton, Bill Paxton was in it. As well, which that is actually the first time I've watched that movie from start to finish, and did not get in, was not inebriated to where I completely forgot what happened at the end of it. And it's all right; I wouldn't watch it every year. Mm. But under the belt, it's a it's a it's an interesting take on the vampire on a vampire movie. So, uh, also starring Jeff East as Chris. He was uh, most notably for him. He was in Superman the movie. He was young Clark, and he starred in that TV movie that terrified audiences called The Day After about nuclear war. Uh, sort of like a more an '80s version of Orson Welles' War of the Worlds. Yeah. Uh, John D'Aquino was or Quino, how not, not sure how you pronounce it. Was Joel? He was also in No Way Out. But most importantly, he had a brief role in Sequest DSV. And it's funny you brought him up on IMDb, Jesse, because look at his profile picture on IMDb. Uh, it's a screenshot from Third Rock from the Sun, and he's in the background between Lithgow and I forget the actress's name, but the big tall woman. Uh, yeah, from Third Rock from the his Sun. His favorite role of mine was in That's My Bush. <laughs> he played the neighbor, Larry. Oh, really? I didn't even yeah. see that when I was scroll, scrolling through, through there. Hey, Larry. Yeah. No. It's good stuff. I would agree with that. <laughs> uh, Kimberly Ross was Kim. Uh, most notably, she was in The Last Starfighter and also Death Street. Uh, Joel Hoffman was Steve. He was also in Slumber Party Massacre 2 and Slaughterhouse. And Cynthia Bain was Tracy, and she did a bunch of TV. However, <laughs> uh, some of the bigger stars were none of the main cast. Uh, George Buck Flower was Mr. Wallace. Uh, he was, uh, I always think of him as the bum who became, uh, who sided with the aliens in, in They Live, which we haven't covered on the podcast yet. But also, he was the bum in Back to the Future. He pretty much plays bums in a lot of stuff. He mm-hmm. was also in John Carpenter's The Fog. And also, Dick Warlock, a fun <laughs> name to say as we talked yep. about on the podcast before when we talked about Halloween 2. Uh, was Clayton Heller. He was also in Halloween 2, Escape from New York, The Thing, The Abyss, Friday the 13th Part 5, Stuntman for the most part. Yeah. Uh, a good Stuntman too because he had like a shit ton of credits when we looked them up before. Oh, you're on him there? Yeah, 210 yeah, credits and he's, uh, re- let's refresh the audience and myself, Jesse. When was his last? 2002. So he's been retired for about 15 years. Yeah, for stunts, for acting. Yeah. Well, now he's he's done enough, you know, Especially if He's if you if you play basically retired, <laughs> basically. But I mean, he was Michael Myers in Halloween too. So he go to a horror comic a horror con. Yeah, he's gonna be there. He has a following. He's been in Night Run. He's been in a Friday Thirteenth. He's been in uh, Halloween. So he's got street cred for the horror group, horror crowd. So he fits right in here. And Malin Balick or Bailick, however you pronounce her name, I don't know because I never watched Blossom and fuck the Big Bang Theory was one uh, of the Wallace kids. Yeah. 
meow. Oh, shit. <laughs> meow. Fuck. <laughs> meow? Meow. 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 There, I, I accept that as pronunciation. Uh, but, she, of course, Blossom, uh, Big Bang Theory, and this was her first May film. Meow? Shit. I don't know. I think it's Mayhem Bailick. Bailick? I don't know. <laughs> Fuck it. I don't care. I don't care. She's Meow, in nothing. Um, nothing. This is the best thing Meow. she was ever in. Although my no. mom would disagree when she would say beaches, because my mom loved beaches mm. for some reason. But anyway, but, and also a late addition to my list as Jesse was doing some impromptu research before the podcast, exploring the production of the film, which I just go through the cast. He went, he, Jesse dug deep for y'all to uncover this <laughs> nugget of awesomeness. And it'll be a particular note to you, Ben Wyatt and uh, Tasmania of the Asia Mania podcast. The music in this film was done by one Richard Stone, Dick Stone, if you will. <laughs> but uh, the reason he's relevant, especially to me, is because he did the theme song for one of the greatest 90s kids cartoons of all time. Wait, what's that? Where are we going? Are we going somewhere on a magical journey? Wow, it's nice here. Welcome to Atlanta, it's way under That's down right. under. The sky's always yellow. Rain or shine. Down in Tasmania. Come to Tasmania. Doing a little dance right now, for y'all just can't see it. <laughs> but yeah, he did the theme song for Tasmania, uh, Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain. So he did a shit ton of stuff from our child, or yeah. most of our childhoods. He crafted us. Yeah. <laughs> this is my favorite of his work, I must say. Wolf. Look how long this was. Uh, only a minute. That's still long though for an intro. Eats up time. That's true. Oh yeah, don't forget Taz. Although Ben Wyatt, you put the. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that rounds up the cast and all that. So, now this is a film that when I was a kid and went to the video store, the VHS cover, which I assume was also probably maybe one of the film covers, because it was it was that detailed painted art. It's not what you see on IMDb. It's what you will see when I post the updated Creature Features poster for. Uh, podcast on uh, Facebook. None of those, Jesse. I'll let you know when you hit it. Oh, okay. That's like the updated Blu-ray one. Mm, excuse I me. See. But it was painted. Pumpkin, there's a sinister-looking tree behind him, and he's like raising his claw in the air. And yeah, if you probably just Google like Pumpkinhead VHS or something. But uh, as a kid, when I see it, I was like, oh, that's terrifying. It scared me. Like, oh, what is this? There it is right there. This one? Yeah, that's yeah. it. The Demon of Revenge. Uh, so, yeah, and that's what always... Again, you go to a video store, similar today as we've talked many times, how when you're looking for something to watch on Netflix with your wife and you're just going through these thumbnails, looking for something that is somewhat interesting based mm-hmm. on the thumbnail. And then they do that little clever thing where they, where they think they're clever, but they change the thumbnail for something that you've seen. Like, that's just the same movie, different same. thumbnail. <laughs> I don't know why they, wait, they pay somebody to do that, but anyway. But, you know, the, real, the old school Netflix. All right. Uh, where you go to the video store, they had to catch your attention with these covers, as we said. I've said many times before, but Pumpkinhead's always like, what is this? This is scary looking. This is terrifying. <laughs> but unfortunately, I would never see it on VHS in terms of renting it because just never got around to it for whatever reason or whatever. So this wasn't one that I never saw uh, until TBS cable. Right. So I didn't really see it necessarily in the 80s, although it did come out. It came in the late 80s, 88. So I mean, it came in VHS maybe in the uh, 89, 90 around there, which means it was prime TBS TNT material mm. in 93, 94. So, and that's how I became familiar with it. And then, uh, of course, you know, later on, eventually saw the original version, you know, the non-television version. 
obviously. But uh, revisiting it just a couple weeks ago uh, for the podcast, uh, it's still it's pretty good. Like I'm, I'm not. It's not good enough to where I'm going to go out and see the excuse two sequels and a, a three, including a made-for-TV movie. So uh, yeah, it's not good enough to where I give a shit about the sequels, right? Because the story here that that this film tells is pretty self-contained. Uh, did you get a chance to watch it by chance, sir? I did not. No worries there. <laughs> uh, there's better horror movies to watch. This is a, yeah. you know if you're in the mood for something a little different, this is fantastic. Uh, again, the effects are great, all practical. Uh, but the synopsis pretty much is that uh, Lance Henriksen in his best uh, twangy accent uh, with the kid from Jerry Maguire, not really, but he looks just like him <laughs> in the past. Right. Like, that kid never ages. But uh, anyway, so he owns a little store in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, and uh, he's totally, well, this group of kids come. And here's the, here's the thing that's really interesting about this film. This isn't like a Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street where the kids are all douchey and like, just kill him, Freddy. Right. <laughs> like, get rid of this annoying character. All these kids in this film are like really good kids. Mm-hmm. There's just this one douchebag who's like a, a accomplished, uh, not BMX, but a motocross rider. And like while they stop to just get groceries and some alcohol, they decide to unhitch their bikes and go riding on the ditches on the side of the road because they have enough time for that. Well, then they come over this hill and the dog, the kids, Lance Henriksen's dog and the kid, his son's dog runs out, you know, like typical, no, come back. Right. And then the, the girl's like, oh, no, little boy, come back. And she trips and falls, just like Pet Cemetery. Sure. So then the kid runs, and then the guy comes over a hill and poof, hits the kid. They don't show anything like they did in Pet Cemetery with the shoe spinning or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> So the kid gets killed by the douchebag guy. Right. Which, you know, he's, yeah, like, what a douchebag. But all the other kids are like, no, we got to stay and help. And he's like, no, if I get caught again, I'm going to go to jail, and I'm not going to be able to be a famous motocross rider and... Like, you know, verbally and physically abusing his girlfriend and his friends. And then, you know, some of the kids stay to tell Lance Hendricks. It's like, it's... And then, you know, as, one thing leads to another. You see where it's going. So he goes right. to this old witch woman, hillbilly witch woman, to, like, I know what, what we listen to in the beginning of the podcast. Like, you know, if Pumpkinhead is, is coming for revenge, like, you don't help anybody because you're going to get killed too, blah, blah, blah. So that's where Pumpkinhead comes from. He has to go do this little... Go to the cemetery and dig up something and plant some silver or something, and pumpkin head comes out up and or is born out of a pumpkin thing. I, it's, I can't try to remember now. I can see the scene, but I can't think of the order that it happened. But anyway, so it's a revenge film. It's a revenge film. Is what it is. It's a horror revenge. Mm. You know, it's not like Kill Bill where it's action and uh, so like this is much more like a monstrous creature has been summoned from hell or wherever you want to call it to exact revenge for this wrong on this man. man. Right. But the thing is, it goes after all the other kids first that were trying to do the right thing. Like, no, we got to save the boy. Like, what are you doing? You can't leave. We got to get to a phone. Like, fuck this. He's out of here. You know, it's like all the kids try to, like, yeah. help the kid. But there's no helping him. I mean, he's pretty much dead. There, right, right. You know, I mean. But does that they, warrant a revenge? No, exactly. <laughs> but and here's the thing. Like, Lance Henriksen, you know, then he, like, oh, I didn't want this. You know, he come, then he struck, then they team up, so to speak, to try to stop Pumpkinhead. Oh, but then, uh, well, I'm not going to spoil the end, but... Like, if your whole movie is based on a revenge demon, let's make it about revenge. How about that? Well, I mean, it's going out, it's, it's killing these kids brutally, sure. you know, and then it's, but again, but none I mean, of them the, the deserved basis it. wasn't. Yeah, exactly. One no. guy deserved to get killed, but it goes after all of them. So, Even so, it was an accident. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his douchebaggery, after the fact, maybe... He was kind of a douche before, too, like, 
Right. He was but set up to he be... He didn't run him over because he was a douche. Right. It was a total so accident. Still, I don't know if it <laughs> warrants revenge. Yeah, I mean, agreed. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't condone revenge of summoning right, right. a demon to, to kill yeah. a whole bunch of people because somebody... I mean, it's still a crime and you still pay for it. Just exactly. Not if you're going to say... You know, we don't have courts of revenge. Yeah. <laughs> so the courts of crime. He committed yeah. a crime, but not something that warrants revenge. Exactly. To this degree. <laughs> you know, so it's... You know, you're kind of, you're not you're not on the side. It's not like Friday Thirteenth, like I said, or you know some of the other slasher type films where you're like, yeah. just get him, Jason. Oh, oh, he's got a harpoon. He's gonna shoot a harpoon. Oh, it's gonna be yeah. awesome. No, it's like, get up. Like you you actually kind of want these kids to get away, like because they don't deserve what's about to happen because of the motive of the monster. Yeah, it's Whereas, just a force. Like, yeah, with Jason, I mean, these kids were innocent. Yeah, I mean, but, but yeah, that's Jason's correct. not about revenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's I not, mean, not. Well, in that way, sort of, but yeah, sort of, it, but now it's just like damn kids on my property whacking in my shed. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. Different motive. It changes the whole way. you Yeah, see exactly. It. That, yeah, that's all it takes. Yeah. The different side of the coin. So I mean, to speak. if they're going to put that on the cover, you know, he's well, not this cover, but the painted cover you were talking about, you know, was it demon, demon of revenge? Demon of revenge. Yeah. Yeah. If that's on the cover, then I'm going to look for that. A yeah. demon of revenge. I'm like, I don't know. They should have just made him like kill a kid. I mean, that's what they would do now. Yeah. I think like. But they're making all there wouldn't be a, there'd be one girl who would be the one that would survive mm-hmm. is gonna be the one. It's like no, we gotta stay and help him. Fuck you, Renee. We're out of here. Nowadays it'd be like John Wick is <laughs> Pumpkinhead. <laughs> 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 That's the demon of revenge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be a setup for part three. <laughs> Crossover. Yeah. <laughs> Pumpkinhead and John Wick are working together. No, one of the people that John Wick killed. Uh, or Common from Part 2 is going to go summon Pumpkinhead to go after John Wick in Part 3. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I mean, again, it's a revenge movie. It's, 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 it's worth, if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth watching this horror movie season, this Halloween season. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy to see why it, it's a self-contained story. That's why, and I was telling Jesse, too, I can't remember if I mentioned it on the air already or not, but I didn't even realize there were sequels until I was working on the trivia for this, mm. writing it down, like, well, shit. But again, it's, this the story that's told here to me. There's no need for a sequel. I mean, I understand why, but yeah, I have zero interest. Not because this one's a bad movie, right? Just I don't need to see this story again. I don't. And now I could be wrong. I never. I didn't look them up, but I'm pretty sure since I never heard of them, it's probably for a, re- a reason for that. Mm. Put it to you that way. But all these people that pretty much did hardly anything else with their careers in this film, excuse me, Lance Henriksen notwithstanding, obviously. Or Dick Warlock, it's so much fun to say his name. <laughs> or Meow Babawik. Uh Meow and Richard Stone, Meowlik. of course. But uh you know, there's not really any standout bad actors. I mean, there's they're competent for this film. Uh again, the effects are amazing, although like the moonlight is sh- as bright as the sun in this film when they're running through the woods and coming from multiple angles. But uh and you'd be happy to know, Jesse, this was in nineteen eighty eight and there's a lot of uh the two the orange and the blue in this film. <laughs> You probably saw that from the, oh, the little yeah, thing we're sure. watching. Like, you know, during the day, it's orange, and at night, it's blue. So, uh, it works like for that. Oh, here we go. How here to go. pronounce Let's it. Let's uh, ask the internet. Mayim Bialik. Mayim. Mayim Bialik. Mayim Bialik. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. I don't, I, I don't think I'll, I'll have to say that name again for the rest of the time we do this podcast. Because right. this was her first film, and... I think Beaches was... I don't think we'll ever cover Beaches on here. So I think we're good. I think we're good on... Why on, would you never cover Beaches? I just don't want to cry. Mayam Bialik. Mayam Bialik. Mayam Bialik. 
Lamb Bialik. You know, most people change their name when they become famous, like to something a little better. I could have swore it was three syllables. That's what was fucking me up, or her first name. Mm. But I guess it's not. Uh, I am. Fuck her in that stupid show she's on. (laughs) Tell me Big Bang Theory. Oh, well, they just had their spinoff, though, of Young Sheldon. Which got, like, more viewers than I saw. Did it really? Like, it was a, like, more people watched that than, like, some other important event or something. I can't remember. There was some, like, crack.com. They have to be, like, uh, phantom viewers or something like that. Yeah. It's so dumb. Pumped in from India and China. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But anyway. I mean, the reviews for that speak for itself, I think. Like, yeah, that's fake. That's got to be fake. Yeah. There's fake no news, way. fake news. Uh, there's a uh, 25% people rating this 10. I mean, I don't think enough people watched it. Like, there's 2,000 votes. Yeah. It's like, how can you have that many people? I don't know, whatever. Nah, I completely agree. <laughs> I call shenanigans. But anyway, if you haven't seen Pumpkinhead, I definitely recommend it to watch it once. If that's all you really honestly need. Uh, but it's good. The effects are good. The creature design is really cool. Again, this is, this is the man that brought us Alien and Predator. Of course based on ideas from H.R. Giger with Alien and all that. But, I mean, he made it real. He took it from page to reality, as far as I'm concerned, and that deserves the highest possible praise. Oh, and it, I'd be remiss, too, Jurassic Park. He did all the physical effects of Jurassic Park. Mm. That's Stan fucking Winston for you. Rest in peace. Uh, so, yeah, recommend it. Worth watching. Uh, check out, uh, you know, look, for, look up, just look up the VHS cover. you see what I'm talking about. get a good visual. And if that doesn't interest you to watch it, then you probably don't need to watch it. Mm. But if that cover doesn't interest you, if it does interest you, like, oh, this is a cool creature design. I want to see that emotion. I want to see it kill people. Go for it. Worth watching. But anyway, uh, some trivia about the film. The origin of the story was actually a poem written by Ed Justin, which I didn't bother looking up the poem, but I think they kind of speak some of the word, lines of it in the film. Uh, and also, I didn't say him in the beginning, but the dog actor in this film is called, his real name is Mushroom. Oh, uh, but he's also the dog who played Barney in Gremlins. So he's got some serious, like, 80s movie cred wow. behind him, too. You want uh, that dog in that other movie? It's really good. <laughs> Let's get that dog. Um, yeah. It's like you'd think they wouldn't be picky about that. I mean, you want a well-trained dog, I guess. Yeah, so. but, like, I know the, do- the dog in the mask was also in, like, a couple of other movies That's or, like, true. commercials or something like that. So some dogs just catch on Yep. somehow. Uh, Lance Henriksen had a set of dentures made to give him a more, quote, rural look. Uh, he also gathered all of his own props and wardrobe, including the World War II pump-action shotgun, uh, the cap worn throughout the film, and the silver dollars, which he gives the haggis to summon Pumpkinhead. And it should be noted, too, that uh, in this, that scene where they're summoning Pumpkinhead and he drops the silver dollars, uh, he said, too, that they're still there. Wherever that set was, like, they didn't bother digging them up. <laughs> so he said, like, they're still actually, you know, Someone's somebody wants to go get some silver now, dollars. I imagine. I imagine so. It's been so long. Movie props. And, I mean, again, like we were talking to... Uh, our friend Anthony at the Creepshow Museum, the curator of the Creepshow Museum. Horror fans are the, some of those dedicated ones out there. If they know where a set was, they'll go and get a piece of it or do something and get that if they yeah. know about it. And, you know, so I'm sure, like you said, I'm sure probably. Unless you get nowhere it is, go out there with a metal detector, you might get lucky. Find yeah. a silver dollar used <laughs> in Pumpkinhead, which is cool. That's awesome. Uh, the one scene that made Lance Henriksen most want to take the role was where he, his deceased son, Billy, sits up and asks his father what he's done. Uh, interesting, I guess. I would have just wanted to do it because it's a, on paper, it's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. And Sam Winston's directing it, so you know you're going to be on set with some kick-ass effects. But I'm not Lance Henriksen, unfortunately. I don't have that voice. You're not? No, I wish. Oh, wait, wait, Lance Henriksen's here. Hi, I'm back. I just wanted to say. 
Uh, anyway, uh, Fangoria included in their 101 best horror movies you've never seen, which explains why it only made $4.3 million at the domestic box office. Although I'm sure it made a, a good a bit on uh, VHS uh, rentals and such, if I could find out the numbers. Uh, the costume that uh, the actress Florence Schauffler, Schauff, this is weird, Schauffler wore as Haggis weighed 65 pounds. Wow. In that picture right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So that's 65 pounds of makeup and costume on that That is woman. crazy. It just looks like regular clothes. Yeah, I mean, she looks as big as this mic, uh, that tripod over there, I should say. Mm. Uh, let's see. A sequel entitled Pumpkinhead 2, Blood Wings, went straight to video in 94. Uh, and then, let's see. Okay, wait. No, okay, but okay, there were okay that were actually f- four sequels total. Excuse me, I misspoke earlier. There were then two additional sequels to Blood Wings, titled Pumpkinhead Ashes to Ashes and Pumpkinhead Blood Feud, which were filmed in 2006 as made-for-television movies as aired on Sci-Fi. Oh wait, no. Okay, it was it was just three. So four total. Okay, final answer. Four total Pumpkinhead movies, three sequels. Done. Four total. What's all right? Like Pumpkinhead. Uh, that's under- a documentary. Okay. Pumpkinhead. Gotcha. So four, three sequels, one original. A reboot of the series is currently in the works to be produced by the Saw producer Peter Block. Uh, let's see. They supposedly were supposed to start filming this year, but I don't see anything on IMDb about Pumpkinhead 2017, although there is an entry for it, but actually that's all there is. is just a name. Yeah. So it uh, must be dead. No pun intended. Uh, body count, seven. Only four of which were killed by Pumpkinhead. And you have to watch the movie to see how some of those other people die, aside from the kid, which gets killed by the douchebag on the motorcycle. Right, right. So, let's see. Let me flip my podge, because I had to do two pages on this one. Mm. Score-wise, I'd give it a seven. Worth watching. Hmm. Uh, not, you know, nothing terrible, nothing fantastic. Uh, like I said, uh, the effects stand up still. Does it make you want to see any of the sequels? Nope. <laughs> Just, that's more so the story. Yeah. Like, uh, it's a revenge monster. It's like a Saw movie. I don't need to... No, well, you see a Saw movie to see all the way... You, all the gore effects, I guess, and how ostensibly uh, Rube Goldberg machine is going to be built to kill people, or J- you know how Jason's going to kill people, how Freddy's going to kill people. This one, you know, there's nothing... He just kills people. Yeah. Squeezes their heads, shoves shotguns through them. You know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, to the point. Mm. Now, this is a series, like... I would be more on board, again, you know, everybody knows how I feel about remakes, but if they did a reboot of this, like more so taking just the plot line of the original, for the most part, to where, you know, a, a, a man's child or wife, some close relative is killed, they go to an old witch, whatever, some pumpkin head, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, I, I would be up for that. I'd be interested in seeing it, I should say. Uh, because, you know, I mean, again, it's, there's, it's, a, it's a good story. There's a myth. Whoops. There's a mythology in the world of that it takes place. Like, oh, you don't go killing Pumpkinhead. Like, I'm not telling you where the witch is. Mm. You know, so there is like, you know, there's like a, an urban myth in the world about Pumpkinhead. So, you know, there, it's fertile ground for somebody with a love for the original and creativity mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, some skill in terms yeah. of production and everything to, uh, they could do a good job with something, or just do it. Uh, you know, if they were doing something modern day that wasn't made for TV, let me put it to you that way. I'd be interested in seeing it. Yeah, put it to you that way. That, that's the best way to round up my roundabout way I'm thinking right now. Yep. So that kind of does it for me for this week for the horror stuff. But now back to the future. As I mentioned last week, the past week has been very, very good to Trey's soul because Blade Runner 2049 came out and it was fucking awesome. The whole time I was just like, ah, oh, this is so good. It's so pretty. <laughs> 
Everything's so good about this. However, it has totally bombed at the box office. 31. Which, which I, I, that doesn't surprise me. This isn't a superhero movie. This isn't a horror movie. Yep. This is a sequel to a franchise that for a film that didn't do too well at the box office when it came out either. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a sequel to a cult film. And, it, and I almost don't want to call Blade Runner the original a cult film because that usually has connotations of cheap, silly, not good. But Blade Runner, the original, was the reason that really Scott was, up until the past 10 years, my favorite director, bar none. Mm-hmm. Because that Blade Runner, the original, is just so far ahead of its time, still holds up, still looks amazing. It's still a fantastically made film on every aspect of it. And Blade Runner 2049 did the same thing in terms of the production. It feels like if, if, I, if, I, if I didn't know that Dennis Villeneuve, mm-hmm. I still don't know how to pronounce his name either, Jess, if you want to look that up, mm-hmm. directed this. And, like, and somebody said, who do you think directed I said, wow, it's almost like Ridley Scott like, is back on, top, on his game again because it's, it fits the original. And it's not to say that it's copying or uh, mimicking the original, but it's, it, the, this, the puzzle piece of this film that made today fits neatly to the original, next to the original to where I believe these films happened in the same world. So, let's see. Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve? Okay. I'm still, Denis I'm just, Villeneuve. Villeneuve. I'm just going to say Denis V. There you go. Dennis, Done. Denis V, fantastic director. Villeneuve. But, uh, yeah, for, if you haven't seen the original, you need to see the original before you see this one. Uh, Jesse, you also mentioned, I just want to clarify for you face-to-face that you don't need to see parts two through 2048. <laughs> Those, they have nothing to do with the plot of this, right. of this one. This is a direct sequel to part one. Oh, okay. so you're not going to miss anything. They should just make. They should have called it either two or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I understand. <laughs> it, it breeds confusion. I understand. I mean, nobody has it. If you haven't kept up with all, you know, 2049 sequels right. or 48 sequels, you know, it's easy to get lost because there's so many. Right. But uh, yeah, you don't need. You just need to see the first one and then this one. Yeah, they should have called it Blade Runner colon the sequel to the first one. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I mean, everything in this film was just so well done. The acting, phenomenal. The music, Hans Zimmer took over for Vangelis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's still those callbacks yeah. to pieces of the original. And I, I must say, I'll be perfectly honest, Jared Leto was not terrible in this film. That was my next question. He was, I don't know how he is off camera, either you know, <laughs> doing a scene with Harrison Ford or whatever, but his character was very kind of to the point he didn't have that many lines. I mean, he was only he had only maybe three scenes in the entire film, you know, speaking, he- vo- uh, line heavy scenes. I mean, right. talking and stuff. But uh, he did fine. You know, no, I have no issues with him in this film, uh, even though I don't like him personally. Uh, Gosling was fantastic. Uh, Harrison Ford easily stepped right back into the role. Not that he had to do much because he's Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but the the woman on the, that you see on the advertisements that plays Gosling's love interest without giving anything away. Uh, this is the first thing that I remember seeing her in, and she was she's a very good actress, uh, and she's absolutely fucking gorgeous mm-hmm. as well. That so helps. that doesn't that helps a lot too. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, she was great. But uh, every much like the original Blade Runner, every aspect of this film came together flawlessly, and everything complemented each other. The acting, the music, the visuals, everything, the set design, the costume design. Uh, Robin Wright pins in it. Uh, she's in the first five minutes, so that's not a spoiler. Uh, you know, so oh, yeah, she's on the IMDb. It's it's fantastic. If you like science fiction, if you like 
Dennis V's previous work, like Arrival Prisoners, you're going to like this movie. Now, the biggest thing I've heard people complain about with it is that, oh, it's too slow. I understand, I, I understand why people say that. Mm. It's like two hours and 30. Go to the running time. Yeah, 2.34 or something like that. Like it's, 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 it, it is long. Two hours, 43 minutes. Yeah. It's a long film, but every frame is a painting. Everything is done so well. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to the original, it, the film, no, no, I'm not, I know I might sound like a hypocrite. It's like, oh, yeah, Wonder Woman was great. About 30 minutes too long. That's because, you know, it's, that's not this type of movie. Right. This is a philosophical, you know, science, real deep science fiction film. It takes its time. You don't start with somebody already in the room talking to somebody. You get them walking down the long hallway with the Hans Zimmer phenomenal score, mm-hmm. you know, and then they start their conversation halfway walk, or, you know, they're already, maybe it's a whole scene of them walking and talking at the same time. But it's, the film takes its time, and the original one did that too. Yeah. It's, these are not action movies. The, these are sci-fi philosophical fables. I don't really know a better way to say it without thinking about it a little bit, being a little philosophical myself and thinking about it. Mm. Uh, so, you know, don't go see Blade Runner and think, oh, it's going to be an action movie. It's not an action movie. This is deep sci-fi. Like, you're going to be, like, I was tired after watching it because I was, I was expecting, not to make, not to sound bad about it, like, I have no complaints with the movie, but I was just, I kept expecting some heavy, heavy sci-fi, like heavy-handedness, maybe. Not, not necessarily heavy-handedness, but like having to remember every little, you know, little things mentioned at different parts that's, as a plot came together, yeah. which you do, but it's nothing like you don't have to hang on every single word. I was, that was my fault. Cause I was like, okay, Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, this um, mentally connecting pieces and like that. Cause that's what you do when you watch. That's why, cause of the first one, you know, you, you watch the first time. Like, wow. And then you watch it. You're like, Holy shit. And you watch it again. You're like, Jesus Christ. There's so much going on in this film. Mm. Uh, but this one's the same way. So bottom line, go see it. Best film this year so far for me personally. And that, yes, that is a completely biased opinion. Because this is a sequel I waited for for thirty years, but it was done right, absolutely done by people who cared about the original one, and again made the pieces, the puzzle pieces fit with thirty years in between, flawlessly. Mm. So that about does it for this week. We'll be back next week with our next pre. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a second. No, we won't. We got mm. a surprise. It's a horror surprise from Santa Satan Claus, if you will. <laughs> uh, before next uh, Monday, or Sunday, I'm sorry, uh, there's a Friday. Mm, a Friday the 13th bonus episode. That's right. So uh, from here on out, I figured why not? We should have been doing this anyway since we started the damn podcast. Anytime there's a Friday the 13th in the month, I should have done a Friday the 13th film. But we've mm. only done two, the original and part three. So we're going to fill that hole that ah. Jason, we're going to fill that Jason-shaped <laughs> hole. And we're going to take care of Friday the 13th part two next week as a bonus episode for Halloween Horror. Because this is a Friday the 13th in the month of October. So we, I would be remiss to let down the people who only listen to this podcast for the horror movies not to cover a Friday the 13th in this yep. most sacred of all months. So next week, or before next week, next week's episode, which will be transforming around October 15th. 15th. Yep. So uh, there's your clue as to what the next one's going to be uh, in terms of the actual creature feature. But in the meantime, we will slash and terrorize your earlobes with Friday the 13th Part 2 coming out this Friday. So you get two episodes again this week, because am I not a merciful podcast god? 
<laughs> Actually, I'm more like the podcast Jesus. Jesse's like the podcast God because he's the, really the one with all the power. Yes, I so, make it so. Exactly. But uh, in the meantime, we do have an email. I forgot to read last week, but I talked to John and said, hey, I meant to read. He sent it to me in time. I just totally forgot because I was mm. so horrified in the good way of talking about horror movies. And he actually wrote a little, a little play here. So I'm going to indulge John. And again, I know I don't do the best impressions, but John, this is for you, buddy. And Jesse, you got a line. I'll hand it over to you. Oh, sweet. For your, you only got one line. I, as typical, I got, I got the most of the lines. No. You got it easy. You just got a quick line. Oh, okay. I can, I can memorize it okay, right now. <laughs> I was like, where's my line? Oh, there it is. Okay. All right. Okay. Just point at me. Dear Trey and Jesse, read it in your best Doc Brown impression. Both of us? Just, I, guess I just think me. I'm just me. Yeah, it just says, here's Jesse's line. So, <laughs> Okay, here we go. For you, John. Everybody else, I apologize. And Christopher Lloyd, I'm sorry. <laughs> if my calculations are correct, you will receive this letter immediately after you open the email. First, let me assure you that I'm alive and well. I've been living happily these past eight months in the year 2017. Your stories and jokes caused a laughing overload which scrambled the humor circuits, activating my memory and helping me revisit the 80s. My kids needing my undivided attention shorted up my time circuits. Schedule, my time circuit schedule and destroy my regular listening period. Unfortunately, I might never catch up anytime soon. I set myself up for it in a new home in Anaheim Hill. Now in your best Marty McFly impression. I don't know. I'm, John, I'm just confused. You're oh, not here to direct play? me. I don't know if I'm supposed to read that in parentheses or not. I'm well, not why a, can I play one of the characters? <laughs> you're playing Jesse Sedgley. Yeah, I know, I know. The, you're playing the real character. Right. Uh, he's alive. Our friend from Riverside is alive. He's in Orange County now, but he's alive. Here's Jesse's line. Trey, are you all right? Or do you need uh, do you need any help? There's only, again in your best Marty McFly impression. There's only one man who can help me and scene. It's a cliffhanger. Oh, I guess. Oh my! Or did you not print it all out? No, I printed it all out. There's okay. More. <laughs> LOL. I've been enjoying your podcast. <laughs> Dramatic effect. Uh, I may have been left. I may have been left behind, but I'm still following your trail of Reese's Pieces. My glowing finger may not heal the pain from watching that shitty Garbage Pail Kids movie, but remember, I'll always be right here listening to all your future rants and off-topic rambles. <laughs> I appreciate watching that shitty movie as a kid and hated it. I came across the DVD on Amazon.com and was like, who the F would pay $9.99 for this shitty POS of a movie? Anyway, speaking of past podcasts, One Crazy Summer was a movie I do remember discovering and loving, watching it whenever it was on TV before actually knowing about it. I love watching Better Off Dead. Then one day they were both on HBO or something back to back, and I didn't know John Cusack hates being Better Off Dead, but wasn't it the movie that pretty what much started really? his successful acting career? They're both of my top favorite fifty top fifty favorite '80s movies. The next podcast I want to listen to is Trey's favorites of '85. So I'm hoping to say some great things about my favorite movie of all time. Hint, hint. Keep up the great work, and thank you for entertaining me. Uh, your old Riverside, California friend, but now in Anaheim Hills, California, John Martinez sent from my iPhone. How about that? That's a lot to type on your iPhone, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. But, John, always good to hear from you, my friend. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's a good thing that you moved. I'm not sure. I'll talk to you more about that off the air. Uh, but, yeah, that's nice. So, Anaheim Hills, I don't know if that's I, – I would assume that's a suburb of Anaheim. I don't know. I'm not Some from problem. California. I just visit occasionally. You've been there a lot more than I have. <laughs> I don't know where Anaheim Hills – I know where Anaheim is because that's where Disneyland is, which means automate sure I know exactly where it is. But uh, – Jesse's actually looking at it right now to help me sound a little bit smarter than I actually am. Yeah, that's, you're not supposed to so tell people see. that. Damn it! Yeah, <laughs> Curse this, honestly. Like, oh, oh yeah, it is. I do remember. Oh, exactly hey, it is right around the corner from Anaheim. Yep. Nice. I, I believe so, it's to the east of Anaheim. Yeah, I think isn't it near Limestone Canyon Regional Park? Yeah, it's it's near uh, Placenta. <laughs> 
John, have you been miniaturized and implanted in some sort of woman? Oh, wait, that's placentia. Ah. That's pretty close. Yeah, it's a little south of Yorba Linda, you know. Yeah, they have wonderful places like Sky Zone Trampoline Park. We have one of those here. Wow. It's like our sister city. And Oak Canyon Nature Center. Nice. Let's, uh, See, let's, we're uh, very familiar with Anaheim Hills. It's actually a pretty significant move, John. Uh, so uh, instead of the next time I pass through Riverside going up to Big Bear to visit my parents, the next time we go to Disneyland, I'll give you a holler, and we'll see what happens there. That's so, like, what, four hours from the beach with traffic? Probably not. It's five. Uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, with traffic. <laughs> with yeah, traffic. yeah. I got, I got you. Got you. <laughs> with traffic, I'm sure. It's at least that. But, yeah, good to hear from you as always, John. Uh, Appreciate the uh, praise and excellent use of 80s references within your email. And I hope you uh, weren't too mad at me for not having Back to the Future number one for 1985. But hey, I know it's your favorite, and that's all that matters, because this is just my opinions. And they're like assholes. Everybody's got one. I wish they had another one. Right? Or is that just me? Never mind. <laughs> Moving on. Anyway, we'll see you Friday, everybody. Uh, oh, oh, hold on. Sorry, sorry. Don't forget, if you would like to send an email or a scene for us to dramatically read here on... 80s masterpiece theater. We are a- expert actors. Of Go course. On. A1 actors. A1. Uh, Top Gun actor. Yeah, that's it. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> uh, 80srevisited at gmail.com, at 80srevisited on Twitter. I just, I just can't bring myself to tweet regularly. I just forget. I know. It's, it's, I'm just so used to going on Facebook and see what all my friends people. are doing. and Exactly. So I will try. Again, I try, but it's just like, oh, wait, Twitter. Oh, wait, I should have done that last week. Oh, well, I guess I might as well not do it now. But anyway, <laughs> age visit on Twitter. The more tweets that we get on Twitter, I'll be more, yeah. oh, I'm on Twitter. I might as well tweet something. Yeah. Instead of seeing what, you know. Instead of random thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While I'm watching a movie, mate. That'd random be fun. hashtags. There you go. I hate hashtags. Hashtag. Hashtag. Hashtag suck. It. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but, uh, on Facebook at Awesome Podcasts, or at Awesome Pods, I think is that's Facebook's. Uh, and don't forget our good friends, both near and far, Now versus Nostalgia podcast, John and James, still holding out prayers for some new episodes, my friends. Hope you all are doing well. And, of course, Ben, the Tasmanian Devil, Wyatt, with the Asia Mania podcast, back from his trip abroad to Europe and back home in Tasmania. Safe and sound, so check out their, both of those podcasts. Go to Tasmania. I would like to one day. Autumn, mm-hmm. Autumn's all about it. I was like, babe, you want to go? I, know, I got a place to stay. Maybe. I have to check with Ben first. <laughs> but we know, I have somebody there. Yeah, we have an inn. Up. It's a small island, right? Yeah. You know, you know, he could show us Yahoo Series' summer home. Yeah. It'd be nice. But summer anyway. Home. Only home now, right? <laughs> I would guess. <laughs> I, I would assume so. Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> anyway, we will be back Friday to slash your eardrums with Friday the 13th, part two. And we'll be back uh, Sunday the 15th. We'll be with a transformingly horrific new episode in our Creature Features Halloween Horror 2017 podcast schedule. So until then, I still am Trey Harris. I am no longer Jesse Sedgley. What? Cowabunga? <laughs> <laughs>